The following program is brought to you by the friends and partners of Creation Today and by viewers like you. Thank you. Did an asteroid kill the dinosaurs? That's what mainstream science continues to ponder. They theorize that an asteroid strike is just one of five different catastrophes that wiped out 75 to 96 percent of all species in multiple points of history. Can these catastrophes fit into the biblical history? Can the biblical flood model compete with this old earth mass extinction model? Today, we're finding out. There's a war going on in our world against Christianity. Are you ready to defend your faith in Christ? The Creation Today Show provides you with the ammunition you need. We prepare you to defend your faith. Arm your children and raise up a family that glorifies the Creator, Jesus Christ. This season we're teaching you Battleship Apologetics. Science, history, individual experience, philosophy, Battleship Apologetics. Today's guest is geologist Pat Neary of Northwest Treasures. And Marianne explores some serious lava flows in the Pacific Northwest in Did an Asteroid Kill the Dinosaurs? Welcome to the Creation Today Show. Did an asteroid kill the dinosaurs? That's what we're told to believe. Secular science has agreed for the most part. 65 million years ago, 75 5% of all species, including the dinosaurs, died in what is known as the KT extinction. An asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula off Mexico. Don't believe us? We've got proof. The answer was sobering. An asteroid 10 kilometers in diameter, as large as Mount Everest, and weighing hundreds of billions of tons. Still, how could something that size wreak havoc on a large planet. Because traveling through the vacuum of space, it would have slammed into the Earth's atmosphere at 80,000 kilometers per hour, 20 times faster than a bullet, heating the air to several times the temperature of the sun. At impact, the energy released would be equal to about 100 million nuclear bombs exploding at once. A huge mass of pulverized debris would have been blasted into space, some of it orbiting the Earth before raining back down. The debris may have blocked out the sun for months. Photosynthesis would have stopped. Plants, plant eaters, and then meat eaters would have died. This was the asteroid impact hypothesis for how the Mesozoic era ended. Wow, incredible animation. So believable. It just has to be true, yeah. right? I mm -hmm. saw it. <laughs> this wasn't the only one. There have been many other mass extinctions. At five different sections in the Earth's rock layers, geologists have concluded that there have been catastrophic events that trigger mass die-offs of large amounts of species. These events, that are known as mass extinctions, are still a big mystery to secular science. Today we're asking, are these old earth mass extinctions valid claims? Do they hold water? Or were these die-offs possibly a part of it, a larger water event? <laughs> Let's run through the big five mass extinction events according to secular science. Here's a list with their old earth dates. 
450 million years ago, the Ordovician Silurian extinction killed off 60 to 70% of all species. 375 million years ago, the late Devonian extinction killed off 70% of all species. 350 million years ago, the Permian Triassic extinction killed off 90 to 96% of all species. 200 million years ago, the Triassic Jurassic extinction killed off 70 to 75% of all species. 65 million years ago, the Cretaceous Paleogene or KT extinction killed off 75% of all species. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. You pronounce those names pretty well. I practiced. Good job. Thanks. The mass extinction claims don't seem to fit the normal uniformitarian boredom of slow and gradual processes. You know, according to the secular model, that's uniformitarianism or the theory of evolution, mm -hmm. the rock layers of the earth represent time, <laughs> lots of time. The foundational premise is the present processes we see happening today, it, like slow erosion and wind and rain, well, these processes are the keys to understanding the past. So the rock layers in the geologic column were put down very slowly by slow processes, one grain of sand at a time. Catastrophe isn't part of that original premise. Exactly. These mass extinction events they're proposing are life-devastating, mm -hmm. total global catastrophes. Sounds like they're getting a little bit closer to the catastrophe of Genesis, if you ask me. According to the biblical model, the majority of Earth's rock layers were deposited and eroded during the global flood. So, could all of these supposed mass extinctions be part of the global flood as well? Well, we'll see about that coming up in just a minute. Well, next up, I interview Pat Nury, a geologist from Seattle, Washington, who was a uniformitarian geologist until his eyes were opened. He'll explain where this mass extinction model comes from and if it fits in the Bible. And right after the interview, we'll review some of the catastrophic methods secular scientists believe might have done all that killing, including asteroid strikes and super volcanoes. We'll be right back. There's been an incredible con that's occurred in the culture. Evolution in millions of years is the greatest myth ever forced on the minds of men. Big Bang, evolution, millions of years, people just believe it blindly. How can you not believe that somebody designed all of this? We know he exists because of creation. just faith, we have science. It's really on our side. Today's Creation Network highlight is Northwest Treasures of Seattle, Washington. Northwest Treasures is devoted to educating people on the geology of the catastrophic Genesis flood. They offer kits and books in earth science, local field trips, as well as longer trips, such as a Yellowstone adventure tour. Homeschooler friendly, they also have trips to their geology learning center and offer classes in a variety of subjects. Visit them online at northwestrockandfossil.com 
Check out creationnetwork.org to discover more of the Creation Museums and outdoor creation field trips available to you. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. I'm with Patrick Nury at the Geology Learning Center in Seattle, Washington. Patrick, creationists and evolutionists both believe in extinction. What is the science behind this? Good question. The, actually, the science behind extinction is what we see in the fossil record. Mm -hmm. This is a slab of hundreds of fossil sea creatures all buried at the same time. This is not an exception in the fossil record. Mm -hmm. This is the rule. This ranges all the way from sea animals to land animals. Mm -hmm. So we all agree that fossil record shows extinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're all looking at the same evidence. That's correct. Yeah, yeah that's correct. But it's a different worldview then that takes us to different conclusions. That is correct, yes. If you look at, for instance, if I show you this coin, this is a coin. I'm going to hand this coin okay. to you. What is the, uh, what's the date of origin on that coin? This says 1973. Okay, yeah. now if I were to argue with you on that and say, no it isn't, it's 1985, how would you prove me wrong? I'd say, well look at the number. Well, look at the number, <laughs> yes, that is correct. All right, now that, okay. the coin, the coin is an easy, that's an easy thing to look mm -hmm. at. Now, this is a dinosaur bone. How old is this dinosaur bone? <laughs> Well, this one doesn't have a date on it. <laughs> well, it, you're right. It does not have a date on it. It has no age or date stamped mm -hmm. on it. So this one, this is a rock, a piece of granite. Mm -hmm. What's How old is that one? Okay, yeah, this one doesn't have a date on it either. Okay, that doesn't have a date yeah, on it. Yeah. So how do we determine then how old these things are? Well, the That's coin is easy because it has the minted date on it. Mm -hmm. But the dinosaur bone and the granite do not have dates or age is written on them. No. So there we've just left the realm of science. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the big problems, I think, in uh, the whole conflict between uh, uh, creation and evolution. Mm -hmm. uh, today, Earth science is a combination of both science and history mm -hmm. and philosophy. Mm -hmm. And they combine it into one package called Earth science. Okay. Now this confuses a lot of people. Because the same people that put us on the moon also say that the Earth is 4.6 billion years old. But they don't bother to sort out what is the science and what is the actual philosophy or history. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a tough, tough challenge. Mm -hmm. So worldview determines the age of these things, mm -hmm. unless they're specific uh, dates that are printed on them. Mm -hmm. The worldview of the creationists is simply the historical record in the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And that tells us that the earth is about 6,000 years old. Yes. And that the, the worldwide flood took place about 4,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you that this slab of fossils is no older than 6,000 years old at the, mm -hmm. at the outside. Yes. I can tell you this dinosaur bone is no older than 6,000 years mm -hmm. old. Now likely these were a product of the flood. Mm -hmm. So they would be around 4,500 years old. Yes. The granite that geologists tell us uh, can range a few billion years old, mm -hmm. I can tell you it's no older than 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. But that's not determined by science, that's determined by my worldview. Yes. Now, 
I can make a distinction and help people realize that. The problem is that modern science mixes those two and calls them science. And that's what confuses a lot of people. Uh -huh. So how are they doing this with the mass extinctions then? Well, if you go back to the rock layers that we all agree are there, okay. yeah. you and I can look at the Grand Canyon, the mm -hmm. series of rock layers mm -hmm. right there. Uh, those rock layers don't have any dates on them. They nope. don't have any ages on them. So again, we have to use a worldview. And uh, their worldview looks at the rock layers as time zones mm -hmm. uh, that occurred at some point in the past. The flood geologist looks at the rock layers as having been laid down rather rapidly and consecutively during the flood. Mm -hmm. Now, we notice extinction of fossils, in the, extinction of animals in, in the fossil record. Mm -hmm. Uh, and some of them seem to occur at different layers or in the different strata of the, of the fossil record. So the uniformitarian worldview would say that those took place at this particular time, another extinction at this particular uh -huh. time, and this particular time. Because but they're not seeing them in a layer that's above it. Okay. it yes, uh -huh. they're, yeah, they, they think that these died out here, uh -huh. these died out there, and so on. They're missing, so. Yes, now the problem with that is, since these ideas were developed, they're finding more and more fossils mm -hmm. of, of critters that should have died out a long time ago. They're finding them in layers above and below the layer they decided mm -hmm. dated them. And that's producing a lot of problems mm -hmm. for uh, secular geology today. Mm -hmm. But the mass extinctions are, uh, of course, did take place. But the flood geologist would look at it as one big extinction event occurring over a period of about 380 days mm -hmm. during the Great Flood. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but that's all worldview. Uh -huh. that none of that is determined by science. We can't go back and record what happened. We can't go back and date it. But it's worldview that dictates whether you see them as multiple extinctions or one mm -hmm. massive extinction. Mm -hmm. Are there any problems that secular geologists face as they look at the rock layers and mass extinctions? Yes, there are. Now, in secular geology, we call those anomalies. Mm -hmm. Those are things that cannot be explained by natural phenomena, and there are a bunch of those. One of them I mentioned to you was the fact that as fossil collecting has grown since the days of Darwin, they are discovering fossils that are both older and younger than what they originally thought. Mm -hmm. That's wreaking havoc in the whole geologic timetable, because now what do you do with the whole idea of evolution? Mm -hmm. Where do you put things? Uh, another anomaly is what we call unconformities mm -hmm. in the geologic timetable. That is, there are whole periods of time missing wow. between layers. So you have one layer resting upon another layer with millions of years missing in mm -hmm. between. Now geologists would just simply say, well that was because either nothing was laid down during that period or it all eroded away. But that's a form of circular reasoning, mm -hmm. you argue, from the, the missing evidence. Mm -hmm. A flood geologist looks at the rock layers as just consecutive layers laid down one right after another in that period of about 380 days. Mm -hmm. So then we would see it as one mass extinction. Mm -hmm. And the unconformities are a real problem in secular geology today. Mm -hmm. Pat, are these fossil formations happening today 
like this, you know, you see a whole bunch of fossils. Just well, no, that's a, that's a great question. No, we don't see it today. Mm -hmm. And this is what part of what's prompted modern geology to shift a little bit in its thinking. The kind of geology I was trained in is what we call a strict uniformitarianism, okay. that things were only fossilized over millions and hundreds of millions of years, gradually and slowly. The problem is we're finding tons of examples of mass extinction throughout the geologic fossil record. Mm -hmm. So geologists have shifted a bit and they have now started to use the word catastrophe. In the 1960s and 70s when I took geology, catastrophe was a dirty word because it was too much like the Bible. Mm. But today they acknowledge that there have been catastrophes that have formed in our, took place in our Earth history. Mm -hmm. J just not Noah's catastrophe, yes. you see. Just not the global catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And uh, we know that from fossilization, we've been able to produce some fossils in the laboratory, mm -hmm. but those are under very controlled situations. What we haven't seen naturally are mass extinctions. Mm -hmm. So anything that we would postulate about the future would not be science. It again would be influenced by our worldview and based on speculation. Mm -hmm. In the extended interview, we are going to talk more about these mass extinctions and more evidence. So stick around for that. But Pat, where can people find out more about your ministry and your website and field trips? Yeah, I'm so glad you books? asked the question. <laughs> Yes, go to northwestrockandfossil.com and they can see everything that we do there, our field trips and our books. Yes, I've published several books. I have a few wow. here, just a suggestion. Uh, for you moms that have real little kids out there and you're wanting to get them started on learning about rocks, here's Rocks and Minerals for Little Eyes. Oh, wow. So that would be a, a younger perspective. Yeah, sounds then, good. And then I have a couple of books that are intended really for the junior high and high school age. Mm -hmm. This one is Bedrock Geology. This gets into the whole discussion that we were okay. talking about today. Great. And then this book, Fossils, Dinosaurs, and Cavemen, mm -hmm. how it all fits in to a biblical worldview. Yeah. These come complete with quizzes, projects, tests, and so on, so they can be treated like part of their high school curriculum. Oh, wonderful. Well, you will definitely have to go to Pat's website, check out these books, and get this curriculum for your kids. Even sign up for another a field trip with Pat, too. I'm here with my friend, Deinonychus, and together we want to invite you to come to our Geology Learning Center. We have lots of fossils here. We have lots of reproductions of things that they have found, things that are too expensive to own on your own. We have rocks, we have minerals, we have crystals, lots and lots of things to help demonstrate the biblical view of the Genesis flood. And we hope you can drop by and see us, northwestrockandfossil.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash creation today. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. We're discussing how the secular mass extinction model can fit within the year-long global flood instead of spanning eons of time. The secular scientists who study mass extinctions admit they don't know specifically what caused the sudden deaths of the billions of organisms. 
They are surprised and baffled that life seemed to recover so soon. Yeah. They think 96% of all species can die off, and then somehow evolution can recover them within only a few million years. That doesn't sound logical to me. It's not. They look for signs of what might have caused the die-off, but they're always careful to avoid a flood scenario. Floods are outlawed in mainstream science. Just ask Dr. J. Harlan Bretz, the man who discovered the Missoula flood. It was only a local Ice Age flood, but he got ostracized from the science community just for proposing that the flood carved areas of Washington state. Exactly. A flood hypothesis is suicide for secular scientists. So what are some of the earth-shattering causes they do accept as possible annihilation devices? Going from the bottom of the rock layers to the top, most recent layers. The first extinctions had to do with water, then the next had to do with a change in sea level, then the next an asteroid impact or flood basalt lavas, and then next it had to do with more volcanism. These catastrophes fit into the biblical flood account. Death by water and by changes in sea level? Hello, Genesis 7, 18. Look at this. The Bible says, And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. Yeah, Eric, you should read uh, Genesis 7, 11. I think there's... In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Yeah, the fountains of the great, great deep could have included volcanism and lava flows for sure. The windows of heaven opened. It sounds kind of like asteroids could have kind of shot in. <laughs> Fallen right in there. Yeah. That's cool. It turns out that asteroid strikes and volcanism could even be connected. Emil Silvestru of Creation Ministries International wrote in an article, he thinks asteroid impacts could have helped trigger the disturbance in the Earth's mantle, unleashing volcanic upheaval and initiating catastrophic plate tectonics. This could release the water that was under the crust of the Earth as well. Yeah, in, in 2014, scientists discovered that there is three times more water under the crust of the Earth than there is in the oceans today. This reminds me of Psalms 24.1. Yep. Speaking of the, of the Earth, David says, For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. We find craters in the rock layers. We know meteorites and asteroids have struck the Earth in the past. They could be part of the global flood event. And then there's the global volcanism. Did you know that the Pacific Ocean is encircled by what is called the Ring of Fire, where 75% of the world's active and dormant volcanoes are located? A string of 452 volcanoes stretches from the southern tip of South America, up along the coast of North America, across the Bering Strait, down through Japan, and into New Zealand, down into Antarctica. Volcanism is a major tool for destruction in the mass extinction catalog. For the flood, volcanism would have been widespread. This is what we see in the fossil layers. Supervolcanoes like Yellowstone would have pumped large amounts of ash into the atmosphere. It would have eventually gone into the water and sunk in the floodwaters, burying the dead in ashy type sediments. Mm -hmm. Then there are the flood basalt lavas, mm. also called lips large igneous provinces remember that name <laughs> unless you've seen one of these large lava flows it might be hard to understand how devastating it would have been 
Where I live in Portland, Oregon, there is a huge, large igneous province. Check out this video. I'll show you instead of telling you. Here in the Columbia River Gorge, we can see exposed layers of a large igneous province. Igneous rock is volcanic rock. This rock was once lava. This rock formation was once flows of molten lava traveling hundreds of miles before cooling and hardening. This igneous province, called the Columbia River Flood Basalts, covers 80,000 square miles of Oregon, Washington, western Idaho, and northern Nevada. It is made up of 350 lava flows. The lava broke through the Earth's crust in Idaho, ejecting sulfur and ash as it spewed up 50,000 cubic miles of lava. Basalt lava flowed over the land like molten syrup. Each flow was 10 to 50 feet deep and was followed by another flow over the top of it and then by another and another. Many of the lava flows traveled over 400 miles before cooling. Oregon geologist Ellen Morris Bishop said that it's enough lava rock to build a highway to the moon. That's a lot of lava. But it turns out that Oregon's large igneous province is actually the smallest igneous province. Here is a map showing the locations of the other large flood lava flows. The largest province, not shown here, lies on the seafloor of the Pacific Ocean. If you ever come to Oregon, sign up for a Creation Encounter tour in the Gorge. I just might be one of your guides. Check out creationencounter.com for a trip list. I have not gotten to go on that trip, but next time I'm in Oregon, I'm taking the tour, okay? Definitely. It's just hard to imagine how much lava that was out there. I mean, oh, that would have been incredibly catastrophic. It is. Yeah, but it could have all happened during the global flood and the years following the flood. You know, mass extinction-wise, those flows that we saw would have destroyed everything in their path. Talk about deep-fried and hard-boiled. Man, that's, that's a bad way to go. Yeah. Well, we also find pillow lava in lips. Uh, pillow lava only forms when the lava comes in contact to water. Well, there you go. The flood model fits better. If the idea of millions of years of time didn't keep the secular scientists from connecting the dots, it would be the natural next step to consider. Perhaps those rock layers could be the result of one great catastrophe instead of many. Hey, I hope you can do more research on your own on the flood model, because it fits the evidence that we find in the rock layers. The Bible's record can always stand the test of time. One thing I might add, while extinction may have occurred for some organisms at the time of the flood, these so-called mass extinctions are not all extinctions. They are just in regions representing massive burial of organisms. <clears throat> the burial of billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth <laughs> in association with massive volcanism makes sense in light of a global flood. This definitely has been a more complicated topic to explain, but we've given you a good introduction. More truth is just below the surface. Go explore it. 
I hope these Battleship apologetics can stay with you in your mind for the years to come. Just remember, you have a complete arsenal of evidence and confirmation that Christianity is an, an unsinkable battleship. Science, history, individual experience, and philosophy are all at your disposal. Until next time, don't jump ship and glorify our God, Jesus Christ. Godspeed. Get the ammunition you need to defend your faith by visiting our website for up-to-date content, attending one of our live events, and shopping online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.